Section 73 of London Labour and the London Poor, Volume 2, by Henry Mayhew. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Gillian Hendry. Of the London Street Drains We have as yet dealt only with the means of removing the liquid refuse from the houses of the metropolis. This, as was pointed out at the commencement of the present subject, consists principally of the 19,000 million gallons of water, that are annually supplied to the London residences by mechanical means. But there still remain the 5,000 million gallons of surface or rainwater to be carried off from the 1,760 miles of streets, and the roofs and yards of the 300,000 houses which now form the British metropolis. If this immense volume of liquid were not immediately removed from our thoroughfares as fast as it fell, Many of our streets would not only be transformed into canals at certain periods of the year, but perhaps at all times, except during drought, they would be, if not impassable, at least unpleasant and unhealthy, from the puddles or small pools of stagnant water that would be continually rotting them. Were such the case, the roads and streets that we now pride ourselves so highly upon would have their foundations soddened. If the surface of a road be not kept clean so as to admit of its becoming dry between showers of rain, said Lord Congleton, the great road authority, it will be rapidly worn away. Indeed, the immediate removal of rainwater so as to prevent its percolating through the surface of the road and thereby impairing the foundation appears to be one of the main essentials of road-making. The means of removing this surface water, especially from the streets of a city where the rain falls at least every other day throughout the year, and reaches an aggregate depth of 24 feet in the course of the 12 month, is a matter of considerable moment. In Paris, and indeed almost all of the French towns, a channel is formed in the middle of each thoroughfare, and down this the water from the streets and houses is continually coursing, to the imminent peril of all pedestrians for the wheels of every vehicle distribute, as it goes, a muddy shower on either side of the way. We, however, have not only removed the channels from the middle to the sides of our streets, but instituted a distinct system of drainage for the conveyance of the wet refuse of our houses to the sewers, so that there are no longer, excepting in a very small portion of the suburbs, open sewers meandering through our highways. The consequence is, the surface water being carried off from our thoroughfares almost as fast as it falls, our streets are generally dry and clean. That there are exceptions to this rule, which are a glaring disgrace to us, it must be candidly admitted. But we must at the same time allow, when we think of the vast extent of the roadways of the metropolis, 1,760 miles, nearly one-half the radius of the earth itself, the deluge of water that annually descends upon every inch of the ground which we call London, 38,000 million gallons, a quantity which is almost sufficient for the formation of an American lake, and the vast amount of traffic over the greater part of the capital, the 13,000 vehicles that daily cross London Bridge, the 11,000 conveyances that traverse Cheapside in the course of 12 hours, the 7,700 that go through Temple Bar, and the 6,900 that ascend and descend Holborn Hill between nine in the morning and nine at night, the 1,500 omnibuses, and the 3,000 cabriolets 
that are continually hurrying from one part of the town to another, and the ten thousand private carriage, job, and cart-horses that incessantly perviate the metropolis. When we reflect, I say, on this vast amount of traffic, this deluge of rain, and the wilderness of streets, it cannot but be allowed that the cleansing and draining of the London thoroughfares is most admirably conducted. The mode of street drainage is by means of what is called a gully hole and a gully drain. Note, gully here is a corruption of the word gullet, or throat. The Norman is gull, Latin gula, and the French goulet. From this the word gully appears to be directly derived. A gully drain is literally a gullet drain, that is, a drain serving the purposes of a gullet, or channel, for liquids, and a gully hole, the mouth, orifice, or opening to the gullet, or gully drain. End note. The gully hole is the opening from the surface of the street, and is seen generally on each side of the way, into which all the fluid refuse of the public thoroughfares runs on its course to the sewer. The gully drain is a drain generally of earthenware piping, curving from the side of the street to an opening in the top or side of the sewer, and is the means of communication between the sewer and the gully hole. The gully hole is indicated by an iron grate being fitted into the surface of the side of a footpath, where the road slopes gradually from its centre to the edge of the footpath, and down this grate the water runs into the channel contrived for it in the construction of the streets. These gully grates, the observant pedestrian, if there be a man in this hive of London who without professional attraction to the matter regards for a few minutes the peculiarities of the street, apart from the houses which he is traversing, an observant pedestrian, I say, would be struck at the constantly recurring grates in a given space in some streets and their paucity in others. In Drury Lane there is no gully grate as you walk down from Holborn to where Drury Lane becomes Witch Street. Whilst in some streets, not a tenth of the length of Drury Lane, there may be three, four, five, or six grates. The reason is this. There is no sewer running down Drury Lane. A contiguous sewer, however, runs down Great Wild Street, draining, where there are drains, the hundred courts and nooks of the poor, between Drury Lane and Lincoln's Inn Fields, as well as the more open places leading down towards the proximity of Temple Bar. This Great Wild Street sewer, moreover, in its course to Fleet Bridge, is made available for the drainage, very grievously deficient, according to some of the reports of the Board of Health, of Clare Market. Grates would of course be required in such a place as Drury Lane, only the street is thought to be sufficiently on the descent to convey the surface water to the grate in Witch Street. The parts in which the gully grates will be found the most numerous are where the main streets are most intersected by other main streets, or by smaller off-streets, and indeed wherever the streets, of whatever size, continually intersect each other, as they do off nearly all the great street thoroughfares in the city. Although the sewers may not be according to the plan of the streets, the gully grates must nevertheless be found at the street intersections, whether the nearest point to the sewer or not, or else the water would be quickly carried off and would form a nuisance. I am informed on good authority, both as regards the city and metropolitan commissions, that the average distance of the gully grates is 30 yards one from another, including both sides of the way. 
their number does not depend upon population but simply on the local characteristics of the highways for of course the rain falls into all the streets in proportion to their size whether populous or half-empty localities as however the more distant roads have not such an approximation of grates and the law which requires their formation is by no means and perhaps without unnecessary interference cannot be very definite i am informed that it may fairly be represented that of the one thousand seven hundred and sixty miles of london public ways more than two-thirds or remarked one informant say one thousand two hundred miles are grated on each side of the street or road at distances of sixty yards this would give fifty-nine gully-holes in every one of the one thousand two hundred miles of street said to be so supplied hence the total number throughout the metropolis will be seventy thousand eight hundred the gully drain which is the street drain always presents now a sloping curve describing more or less part of a circle this drain starts so to speak from the side of the street while its course to the sewer in order to economize space is made by any most appropriate curve to include the reception of as great a quantity of wet street refuse as possible for if the gully drains were formed in a direct or even a not very indirect line from the street sides to the sewers they would not only be more costly more numerous but would in fact as i was told choke the underground of london for now the subterranean capital is so complicated with gas water and drain pipes that such a system as will allow room for each is indispensable the new system is moreover more economical in the city the gully drains are nearly all of nine inch diameter in tubular pipage in the metropolitan jurisdiction they are the same but not to the same extent some being only six inches fifty or even thirty years ago the old street channels for gully drainage were costly constructions for they were made so as to suit sewers which were cleansed by the street being taken up and the offensive deposit thick and even indurated as it often was in those days drawn to the surface some few were three and even four feet square some two feet six inches wide and three or four feet high all of brick i am assured that of the extent or cost of these old contrivances no accounts have been preserved but that they were more than twice as costly as the present method in all the reports i have seen metropolitan or city the statements of the flusher men being to the same purport there are complaints as to the uses to which the gully holes are put in many parts every kind of refuse admissible through the bars of the grate being stealthily emptied down them the paviors if they have an opportunity sweep their surplus grout into the gullies and so do the scavengers with their refuse occasionally though this is generally done in the less frequented parts to get rid of the slop which is valueless in a report published in eighteen fifty one mr haywood points out the prevalence of the practice of using the gully gratings as dustbins a sewer under billingsgate accumulated in a few months many cartloads composed almost wholly of fish shells and one hundred and fourteen cartloads of fish shells cinders and rubbish were removed from the sewers in the vicinity of middlesex street petticoat lane these had accumulated in about twelve months reconstructing the gullies he says 
so as to intercept improper substances, which has been recently done at Billingsgate, might prevent this material reaching the sewers, but it would still have to be removed from the gullies, and would thus still cause perpetual expense. Indeed, I feel convinced that nothing but making public example by convicting and punishing some offenders under Clause 69 of the City of London Sewers Act will stop the practice, so universal in the poorer localities, of using the gullies as dustbins. The gully holes are now trapped, with very few exceptions, one report states, while another report intimates that gully trapping has no exception at all. The trap is resorted to so that the effluvium from a gully drain may not infect the air of the public ways. But among engineers and medical sanitary inquirers, there is much difference of opinion as to whether the system of trapping is desirable or not. The general opinion seems to be, however, that all gullies should be trapped. Of the city gully traps, Mr. Haywood, in a report for the year 1851, says, as regards the period of their introduction, quote, About seventeen years ago, your then surveyor, Mr. Kelsey, applied the first traps to sewer gullies, and from that date to the present, the trapping of gullies has been adopted as a principle, and the City of London is still, I believe, the only metropolitan area in which the gullies are all trapped. The traps first constructed have since been, as all first inventions or adaptations ever have or will be, improved upon, and are rapidly being displaced by those of more improved construction. Now, of the incompatible conditions required of gully traps, of the difficulty of obtaining such mechanical appliances so effective and perfect as can theoretically be devised, but yet of the extreme desirability of obtaining them as perfect as modern science could produce, your honourable court has, at least for as long as I have had the honour of holding office under you, been fully alive to. No prejudice has opposed impediment to the introduction of novelties. Your court has been always open to inventors, and at the present time there are sixteen different traps or modes of trapping gullies under trial within your jurisdiction nor has the provision of the means of excluding effluvium from the atmosphere been your only care, but the cleanliness of the sewers and the prevention of accumulation of decomposing refuse, both by regulated cleansings and by constructing the sewage upon the most improved principles, have also been your aim and that of your officers. And I do not hesitate to assert that the offensiveness of the escape from the gullies has been of late years much diminished by the care bestowed upon the condition of the sewers. 374 gullies have been re-trapped in the city upon improved principles during the last year. The gully traps are on the principle of self-acting valves, but it is stated in several reports that these valves often remain permanently open, partly from the street refuse, especially if mixed with the debris from new or removed buildings, not being sufficiently liquefied to pass through them, and partly from the hinges getting rusted and so becoming fixed. Of the length of the London sewers and drains There is no official account precisely defining the length of the London sewerage, but the information acquired on the subject leaves no doubt as to the accuracy of the following facts. 
about nine hundred miles of sewers of the metropolis may be said to have been surveyed and it is known that from one hundred to one hundred and fifty miles more constitute a portion of the metropolitan sewerage this too independently of that of the city which is fifty miles altogether i am assured that the sewers of the urban part of london included within the fifty-eight square miles before mentioned measure one thousand one hundred miles the classes of sewers comprised in this long extent are pretty equally apportioned each a third or three hundred and sixty-six miles of the first second and third classes respectively of this extent about two hundred miles are still in the year eighteen fifty two open sewers to say nothing of the great open sewer the thames the open sewers are found principally in the surrey districts in brixton lewisham tooting and places at the like distance from the more central parts of the commissioner's jurisdiction these open sewers however are disappearing and it is intended that in time no such places shall exist as it is some miles of them are enclosed yearly the open sewers in what may be considered more of the heart of the metropolis are a portion of the fleet ditch in clerkenwell and places in lambeth and bermondsey or about twenty miles in the interior to one hundred and eighty miles in the exterior portion of the capital these are national disgraces the one thousand one hundred miles above mentioned however include only the sewers comprising neither the house nor gully drains according to the present laws all newly built houses must be drained into the sewers and in eighteen fifty there were five thousand applications from the western districts alone to the commissioners for the promotion of the drainage of that number of old and new houses into the sewers the old houses having been previously drained into cesspools i am assured on good authority that fully one-half of the houses in the metropolis are at the present time drained into the sewers in one street about a century old containing in the portion surveyed for an official purpose on the two sides of the way seventy-six houses the number was found to be equally divided half the drainage being into sewers and half into cesspools the number of houses in the metropolis proper of one hundred and fifteen square miles area is three hundred and seven thousand seven hundred and twenty two the majority as far as is officially known are now drained into the public sewers or into private or branch sewers communicating with the larger public receptacles so that allowing two hundred thousand houses to be included in the fifty-eight square miles of the urban sewerage and admitting that some wretched dwelling-places are not drained at all it is reasonable to assume that at least one hundred thousand houses within this area are drained into the sewers the average length of the house drains is i learn from the best sources fifty feet per house the builder of a new house is now required by law to drain it at the proprietor's cost one hundred feet if necessary to a sewer in some instances in detached houses where the owners object to the cesspool system a house drain has been carried two hundred and thirty feet to a sewer and sometimes even farther but in narrow or moderately wide streets from eighteen to twenty-six feet across and in alleys and narrow places in case there is sewerage the house drains may be but from twelve to twenty feet both these lengths of drainage are exceptions 
and there is no question that the average length may be put at 50 feet. In some squares, for example, the sewer runs along the centre, so that the house drains here are in excess of the 50 feet average. The length of the house drainage of the more central part of London, assuming 100,000 houses to be drained into the sewers, and each of such drains to be on the average 50 feet long, is then 5 million feet, or about 2,840 miles. But there are still the street or gully drains for the surface water to be estimated. In the Holborn and Finsbury division alone, the length of the main covered sewers is said to be 83 miles, the length of smaller sewers to carry off the surface water from the streets, 16 miles, the length of drains leading from houses to the main sewers, 264. Now, if there be 16 miles of gully drains to 83 miles of main covered sewers, and the same proportion hold good throughout the 58 square miles over which the sewers extend, it follows that there would be about 200 miles of gully drains to the gross 1,100 miles of sewers. But this is only an approximate result. The length and character of the gully drains I find to vary very considerably. If the streets where the gully grates are found have no sewer in a line with the thoroughfare, still the water must be drained off and conveyed to the nearest sewer, of any class, large or small, and consequently at much greater length than if there were a sewer running down the street. Neither is the number of the gully holes any sure criterion of the measurement of the gully drains, for where the intersections are, and consequently the gully holes frequent, a number, sometimes amounting to ten, are made to empty their contents into the same gully drain. Neither do the returns of yearly expenditure presented to Parliament by the Metropolitan Court of Sewers supply information. But even if the exact length and the exact price paid for the formation of that length were given, it would supply but the year's outlay as regards the additions or repairs that had been made to the gully drains, and certainly not furnish us with the original cost of the whole. One experienced informant told me, but let me premise that I heard from all the gentlemen whom I consulted a statement that they could only compute by analogy with other facts bearing upon the subject, was confident that taking only 1,200 miles of public way as gully drained, that extent might be considered as the length of the gully drains themselves. Even calculating such drains to run from each side of the public way, which is generally the case, I am told that, considering the economy of underground space which is now necessary, the length of 1,200 miles is as fair an estimate for gully drainage, apart from other drainage, as for the length of the streets so gullied. Hence we have, for the gross extent of the whole sewers and drains of the metropolis, the following result. Main covered sewers, 1,100 miles. House drains, 2,840 miles. Gully drains for surface water of streets, 1,200 miles. Total length of the sewers and drains of the metropolis, 5,140 miles. The island of Great Britain, I may observe, is at its extreme points 550 miles from north to south and 290 from east to west. 
it would therefore appear that the main sewers of the capital are just double the length of the whole island from the english channel to john o'groats and nearly three times longer than the greatest width of the country but this is the extent of the sewerage alone the drainage of london is about equal in length to the diameter of the earth itself of the cost of constructing the sewers and drains of the metropolis the money actually expended in constructing the one thousand one hundred miles of sewers and four thousand miles of drains even if we were only to date from january the first eighteen hundred is not and never can be known they have been built at intervals as the metropolis so to speak grew they were built also in many sizes and forms and at many variations of price according to the depth from the surface the good or bad management or the greater or lesser extent of jobbery or patronage in the several independent commissions accounts were either not presented in the good old times or not preserved had the one thousand one hundred miles of sewers to be constructed anew they would be according to the present prices paid by the commissioners not including digging or such extraneous labour but the cost of the sewer only as follows three hundred and sixty six miles of sewers of the first class or one million nine hundred and thirty two thousand four hundred and eighty feet at fifteen shillings per foot one million four hundred and forty nine thousand three hundred and sixty pounds three hundred and sixty six miles or one million nine hundred and thirty two thousand four hundred and eighty feet of the second class at eleven shillings per foot one million sixty two thousand eight hundred and sixty four pounds same length of third class at nine shillings per foot eight hundred and sixty nine thousand six hundred and sixteen pounds total cost of the sewers of the metropolis three million three hundred and eighty one thousand eight hundred and forty pounds as this is a lower charge than was paid for the construction of more than three-fourths of the sewers we may fairly assume that their cost amounted to from three millions and a half to four millions of pounds sterling the majority of the house drains running into the sewers are brick and seldom less than nine inches square sometimes in the old brick drains they are some inches larger and in the very old drains and in some one hundred years old wooden planks were often used instead of a brick or stone construction for the sake of reducing cost and replaced when rotted the wood in many cases soon decayed and since eighteen forty seven no wooden sewers have been allowed to be formed nor any old ones to be repaired with new wood the work must be of stone or brick if not pipage about two-thirds of the drains running from the houses to the sewers are brick the remaining third tubular or earthenware pipes the cost if now to be formed would be somewhat as follows one thousand eight hundred and ninety three and a third miles of brick drains five shillings per foot as average of sizes two million four hundred and ninety nine thousand two hundred pounds nine hundred and forty five and two thirds feet of tubular drains average of sizes two shillings sixpence six hundred and twenty four thousand eight hundred pounds total cost of the house drains of london three million one hundred and twenty four thousand pounds the cost of the street or gully drains have still to be estimated 
The present cost of the nine-inch gully pipe drains is about three shillings sixpence a foot. Of the six-inch, two shillings sixpence. Of the proportionate lengths of these two classes of street drains, I have not been able to gain any account, for I believe it has never been ascertained in any way approaching to a total return. Taking 1,200 miles, however, as quite within the full length of the gully drains, and calculating at the low average of three shillings the foot for the whole, the total cost of the street drains of the metropolis would be £950,400, or, I am assured, one might say a million sterling, and this even if all were done at the present low prices. The original cost would, of course, have been much greater. Hence, according to the above calculations, we have the following. Gross estimate of the cost of the sewers and drains of the metropolis. 1,100 miles of main-covered sewers, £3,500,000. 2,840 miles of house drains, £3,000,000. 1,200 miles of gully or street drains, £1,000,000. Total 5,140 miles of sewers and drainage equals £7,500,000. Of the uses of sewers as a means of subsoil drainage. There is one other purpose toward which a sewer is available, a purpose too which I do not remember to have seen specified in the Metropolitan Reports. The first and perhaps most important purpose of sewers as respects health, says the report of Messrs. Walker, Cubitt and Brunel, 1848, is as under-drains to the surrounding earth. They answer this purpose so effectually and quietly, and have done it so long, that their importance in this respect is overlooked. In the Sanitary Commissioner's reports, we do not find it once noticed, and the recommendation of the substitution of stone or earthenware pipes for the larger brick sewers seems to show that any provision for the under-drainage was thought unnecessary, although such a provision is, in our opinion, most important. Under the artificial ground, the collection of ages, which in the city of London, as in most ancient towns, forms the upper surface, is a considerable thickness of clean gravel, and under the gravel is the London clay. The present houses are founded chiefly on the artificial or made ground, while the sewers are made through the gravel and it is known practically that however charged with water the gravel of a district may be, the springs, for a considerable distance round, are drawn down by making a sewer, and the wells that had water within a few feet of the surface have again to be sunk below the bottom of the sewer to reach the water. Every interstice between the stones of the gravel acts as an underdrain to conduct the water to the sewer, through the sides of which it finds its way, even if mortar be used in the construction. Hence the salubrity of a gravel foundation, if the water be drawn out of it by sewers or other means, as is the case with the city and with Westminster. A proof of this principle was afforded by the result of a reference to physicians and engineers in 1838 to inquire into the state of drainage and smells in and near Buckingham Palace, as to which there had been complaints, though none so heavy as Mr. Phillips now makes, when he says that the drainage of Buckingham Palace is extremely defective, and that its precincts are reeking with filth and pestilential odours from the absence of proper sewerage.
The report then shows the pains that were taken to ensure dryness in the palace. Pits were dug in the garden fourteen feet below the surface and three and a half feet below high water mark in the river, and they were found dry to the bottom. The kitchens and yard of the palace are, however, only eighteen inches above Trinity high water mark in the Thames, and therefore eighteen inches below a very high tide. The physician, Sir James Clark, and the engineers, Messrs. Simpson and Walker, in a separate report, spoke in terms of commendation of the drainage of the palace in 1838 as promotive of dryness. Since that time, a connecting chain has been made from the palace drains into the canal in St. James's Park to prevent the wet from rising as formerly during heavy rains. The palace, it is stated in the report of the three engineers, should not be classed with the low part of Pimlico, where the drainage is, we believe, very defective, and to which, for anything we know to the contrary, the character given by Mr. Phillips may be applicable. Unfortunately, however, for this array of opinions of high authority, and despite the advantages of a gravel bed for the substratum of the palatial sewerage, the drainage and sewerage about Buckingham Palace is more frequently than that of any other public place under repair, and is always requiring attention. It was only a few days ago, before the court left Windsor Castle for London, that men were employed night and day on the drains and cesspoolage channels to make, as one of them described it to me, and such working men's descriptions are often forcible, the place decent. I was hardly ever, he added, in such a set of stinks as I've been in the sewers and underground parts of the palace. End of section 73